Okay, this is Tyler Murphy, and this is the Lonely Painter Podcast. And uh, today my roommate, Josh, is uh, joining us again on the podcast. And I said last week that I would talk a little bit about, I think I said anyways, that I'd talk a little bit about desire. And so, I don't know if I've, have I talked to you about object cause of desire? I feel like I've heard about object cause, but I can't remember exactly what all it means. Jacques Lacan, uh, psychoanalyst, kind of after Freud, which I haven't read him directly, so mostly this is coming, my understanding of him, of this concept of object cause of desire comes from Peter Rollins and Todd McGowan. But before we dive into that, Josh, how have you been? I've been good. I just made myself a cup of coffee and it's still piping warm and I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Yeah, it's good to be drinking warm coffee on a cold snowy day. It is uh, the Chinese New Year today. Happy Chinese New Year, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, February 5th. Such a beautiful date for something to happen yeah the birth of the new year i'm working towards this portal show that opens on february 21st and uh on the 21st i I plan on giving a little artist talk that night and i want to talk about what i think artists and galleries and museums could and should be doing for their communities and so I'll probably, I'll probably talk to begin with about uh, this idea that art can be a place where we hold important truths, where we're reminded of, of uh, things that we so easily forget, that a song can remind us of, of important truths like, like I'm thinking of one of Grant's songs, I've, I've maybe referenced this before in the past on here, but like, my friend Grant has a song uh, where he the lyric goes, I'm a newborn, I'm just a baby, I'm just a baby boy, I'm just a kid scared shitless of everything in the world, buildings stretch high and doors open wide like giant strangers' arms, and my knee-jerk reaction to all of the flashing is crying and running home. And so for me, a song like that, you know, is a is a great reminder that other people feel this anxiety towards life, of uh, towards new things in life, that we don't all have it put together, and Grant's honest uh, vulnerability in that way helps helps make the world feel a little less lonely for me as a friend of his, and for me as somebody who who loves uh, his music. Okay, you have to put away your phone. If you're gonna... Oh, wait. oh, you're looking up Object Putia. I am looking up Object Putia. I'm studying. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so let's... Uh, so. Oh, but actually, okay, so, actually, before we move on to that, when is Story Night, actually? Because someone just texted me yesterday and was like, is Story Night this Tuesday or next Tuesday? And I was like, I don't think it's this Tuesday. Yeah, it's every second Tuesday of the month. It's every second Tuesday, okay. Yeah, at 7 o'clock. So it is next Tuesday. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, so before we get to that, though, I want to say that... Uh, so in this talk, I kind of 
the way I'm imagining the talk going is that is to first talk about how art can be this thing that mm. uh, holds important truths mm. um, and reminds us of, of important truths, and then to use uh, a particular painting by Rene Magritte as a nice, clear mm. example of how to remember this idea of object putia, which actually is oh. probably probably one of the most important like truths mm. to have always before us. So I actually, I, I what's actually, it a, what's it a painting of? I put it as my uh, home screen on my phone mm. so that I would remember this every time I look at my phone. Mm. So, Oh, it's that painting. Yeah. I've seen that. Okay. Uh, so this painting is the, it's called the son of man by Rene Magritte. And apparently mm. it's, um, uh, some people think it's a self-portrait. I think he might have referred to it as a self-portrait. But of course, it's the painting where the apple is in front of his face. And so uh, there's a man in a bowler hat and a suit and red tie. And uh, of course, he he does, we, we can't see his face. We can just barely see part of one of his eyes, maybe part of both of his eyes. But his face is obstructed by the apple. And so for me, mm. the apple itself is a really nice uh, visual depiction of what Lacan is talking about, of the objet putia, mm -hmm. or known as the object cause of desire. So, so in that example, is the apple the object cause of desire, or is the man the object cause of desire? Because like, I'm assuming in this example, we're like desiring to see his face, yep. right? And the apple is inhibiting that. So in this example, what is the object cause? I would say it's the apple. Okay. Although I have looked, like I've been studying up on this mm. a little bit, and it is kind of unclear. Mm. Um, so hopefully by the time I give this talk, I'm a little a little more clear. Either way, mm. I think the whole, whether I have my definitions right or not, I think the whole idea is mm -hmm. still probably sound, I hope anyways. Mm. Uh, but the, yeah, the apple obstructs our view of the man's face, which mm -hmm. gets us to fantasize about, and here's, I think, what's key, the words, if only, mm -hmm. if only this apple w were removed, okay. then I would see the man's face. I would get the thing that I want. Okay. Um, and so my, my desire could be fulfilled. Okay. But, <laughs> like, if that were the case, if this was just a painting of a man's face, it mm -hmm. wouldn't be a famous painting. Mm -hmm. it, it wouldn't hold our interest for very long. Mm -hmm. so, so so that's a nice, it's a, actually a really nice depiction of, it's the not having mm -hmm. that actually is, is what's kind of, in the end, more desirable. Mm -hmm. um, so when, whenever, I mean, it's kind of like the idea of like a Christmas gift. Mm -hmm. It's more enjoyable to not have the gift, to fantasize about what's inside the box, mm -hmm. what's under the wrapping paper. Happiness and pleasure is that moment when you open it and, mm. you, and you get the thing, and it's usually followed by like melancholy or mm. you know because because usually the thing the things that we desire uh, they overpromise and underdeliver. Mm. So, um, oh, sorry. 
So I think that having this uh, as a wallpaper mm. on my phone, I mean, I might even do a replica painting of it at some point just to have on the wall mm. as a daily reminder of, okay, the thing that you think you want like to see the man's face mm-hmm. to like in, in terms of, uh, you know, it could be to get that relationship yeah. in some way to get that job that you think you want to get that new car, that new house. Can the, can the object cause of desire even be something abstract and not concrete? Like for, I guess I'm thinking of like a movie without resolution. Like mm-hmm. we don't know exactly what ending we want, but we like get uneasy about it not being resolved. Yeah. Yeah. Would that be also the object cause of desire? Like the last, yeah. even though it's like completely abstract and it's not like something tangible, like a face or a house or a relationship. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the object cause can be, yeah, hmm. uh, not necessarily a physical object. Okay. But, um, it's that which causes desire to be there. What about like looking to the past too, like nostalgia? Like, mm, I guess I guess I'm thinking along the lines of like the good old days, whether that's like personal or like a national rhetoric, like mm-hmm. wishing for a past time. And we know that that's unattainable somehow, even if we try to recreate it. Would that also be along the lines of the object cause of desire? Uh, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but the thing that usually what happens is, so we go, you know, the good old days are in the past and then what's the thing now that is preventing us from getting there? Yeah. And a lot of times we blame it on, you know, immigrants or, uh, downturn in the economy mm-hmm. or some moral, uh, degradation, you know, mm-hmm. uh, collapse within our society that if, or if even only, within ourselves. Or within ourselves, yeah. yeah. If only again it comes back to those words, if only mm. right. So okay. we we scapegoat. So last week I talked about uh Paul Tillich's idea of the difference between anxiety and fear. Mm. And that anxiety is without object, whereas fear okay. has an object. And we're always sure. trying to move anxiety into fear mm. by way of being able to point to something and scapegoat it and say, okay, this is why. Would it be fair to say then that desire seems to be the equal opposite of fear? Because yeah. desire has an object and it's not just, what would maybe be like the, the step down from desire? Like anxiety is the step down from fear. Well, I think I just heard about this, that I think that actually, um, some people say that in some sense desire is without object, mm. um, but a need has an object. So, mm. okay. um, like, um, I'm not sure I buy it yet. So, yeah, I and and I don't know enough about about that to really probably argue very strongly. I th- I think the idea there, it would take us into talking about Freud and the mm. death drive. Sure. And and like that we repeat that we mm. we keep on doing the same thing over and over and over again. Mm. Um 
Yeah, could instinct maybe be an object-less desire? No, because an instinct, um, like animals are good utilitarians. Mm -hmm. So an animal, you know, like you're walking a dog and a dog sees a squirrel. Uh, the dog feels an instinct to Ooh, chase okay. the, the squirrel. That's a good point. So instincts have objects. They're like, well. it's more like a need. Mm -hmm. Whereas we humans aren't good utilitarians when it comes down to it because mm -hmm. we do things well so back to the dog example like the dog will run up to the end of its leash mm -hmm. over and over and over again trying to get the squirrel mm -hmm. but eventually the dog gives up will like mm -hmm. will give up on trying to get the thing sure that it wants and will uh be satisfied by uh, abandoning that pursuit mm -hmm. Humans aren't like that. <laughs> like yeah. Humans like keep on pursuing something mm -hmm. to their detriment. We can never have enough money, enough fame, enough, you know, mm -hmm. knowing e even that it's killing us in ways. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference. Rollins really parses that out nicely in, in several places where there's a, that's the difference between drive and des and uh, desire mm -hmm. or drive and instinct that's where he he starts to take issue with like evolutionary psychology mm -hmm. not being not having an adequate uh, understanding of drive gotcha that you can't explain human self-destruction mm -hmm. uh, adequately through evolutionary psychology sure but rather uh you need freud's idea of of uh drive mm -hmm. that's interesting yeah which again I, I don't know a lot about it but i think that the idea of the you know imagining the dog on the leash or or different animals you know like a bird is never a bird is satisfied with like the nest that it has it's mm -hmm. not it's not always striving for more and more and more mm -hmm. um, in the way that, that like they're, they really live with that, like mm -hmm. give us today our daily needs yeah, kind of thing. Whereas we are always fantasizing about the future and like, Oh, again, if only I had mm -hmm. just a little more then yeah. I'd be happy. <laughs> yeah. Which also that makes a lot of sense of why, so many traditions use like nature and animals as examples for maybe how we should behave. Mm. But that's also kind of an object cause of desire. Like, Oh, if only we were like the birds, mm -hmm. like if only we were like the sun, like who like goes through cycles and yeah, I don't like doesn't get in over its head yeah. and always tries to get more and, Oh, that's interesting. Well, and, and I think I think also the idea, like with Rollins and and with Freud, is like it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's sure. it's actually it's because of drive that mm -hmm. we have so many amazing things in the world. It's because people are selfless, mm -hmm. because selfless in the sense of they don't think of themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, they they keep on 
going and going and going mm-hmm. to their own detriment. Right. But anyways, let's get back to Object Putia and the and the uh, the Rene Magritte's painting. I think it's interesting, you know, that it is an apple to begin with. Right. Um, you know, like it's through the apple it, or like if you get rid of the apple <clears throat> or somehow move the apple out of the way, the apple's the prohibition, then you'll have some knowledge of what mm-hmm. this man looks like, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I, I think it's just, it's just nice. Uh, I guess probably just nice symbolism there, but the other thing that's interesting about this painting, I was reading on it a little bit. Magritte was really interested in, I think this whole idea, but sorry, the apple uh, obscures the face of the man. The man obscures the background. The background, but also there's a little wall huh. that also kind of obscures the background to where you you don't know exactly what's happening behind him it looks like there's kind of an ocean back there but also it's Mm. a cloudy day Mm. so you that's also the clouds are also kind of obscuring your view of the sky so there's kind of a nice uh repetition of of this idea throughout the whole painting but obviously and the hat too but right you don't know is the man is the man bald yeah Um, well and the clothes and the clothes like we get mad about the apple but Realistically, he's being more covered by the clothes. Yeah. But also, we do see most of his frame. And so, I, I think it'd be really easy to read this painting as criticizing the idea that, like, hiding the face somehow obscures most of someone's identity. And that our identity really isn't in our face, even though that's how we recognize each other. Mm. But... He's even more so covered by his clothes. Yeah. And also his, he's not his body anyway. Like, hypothetically, we could, if, if this painting were alive, we could talk to the man just fine. He just has an apple in front of his face. Also, how is that apple there? Like, it's just floating, right? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I actually took a really similar picture for, for work couple days ago i like took a picture of my arm outstretched with an orange so that the orange like ah. was in front of my face nice and our uh, our story on instagram was about oranges so like the the orange was like the main thing but did it get a lot of traction mm, in the sense that like our normal viewership viewed it but nothing like out of the ordinary yeah I nobody say. like commented like Oh, I just want to see. It. Yeah, who yeah, is, yeah, who yeah. is it? Who's yeah, holding yeah. The orange? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But hmm, that's interesting. Does that? This has been. Um, the apple's the only unobscured thing in that picture, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Sorry, I cut you off. I just realized that. Um. This has been like. For me lately kind of wishing that my life in some sense was different mm-hmm. uh, feeling that gap between who I am and what I want mm-hmm. you know uh, who I wish I was this painting has been a nice actually kind of comfort of mm-hmm. 
remember Tyler like that if you could move that apple away and see the man's face it wouldn't necessarily it's not like your life would be incredibly better yeah you know so you know shifting that over onto situations within my own life of like mm-hmm. i wish this was a little different mm-hmm. it's a way to keep me from pining about something that i don't have mm-hmm. um, not to say that i don't that i don't give up desire altogether and be kind of like like buddhist or something yeah yeah, yeah. but more so or that you Buddhist move, or, that right, you move, yeah. that I, I realize what I want mm-hmm. while uh, holding it in a way that it's like this, I'll move towards the thing, like it's actually the movement towards that thing that is the most enjoyable part of it, mm-hmm. for one. Before you were talking about like, you know, the, the idea of that, that the that our best days are behind us, yeah. which we tend to do like, and, and long, we, we tend to romanticize what's come before us. Yeah. With a hindsight bias. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but the other idea that the other trap that we can fall into as well is, is romanticizing a future that is yet to come. Sure. And to, to live also in that, if only state, if only we, change these Mm. situations about the world well it makes me realize too that the apple isn't fully unobscured either like we don't see the backside of the apple that's right and that's really interesting like do you think he's trying to reference the moon (laughs) in the sense that no hear me out hear me out (laughs) i like it in the sense that we we always see the front of it and it's always obscuring um but also being obscured physically, right? Like, even if the like we only see, like, uh, a sliver of the moon, it's still there, and it's still, it itself is still obscuring its background just as much, but, mm. um, like, the projection of us, humanity on the Earth, obscures it um, because of the sun. I don't know, it just, like, makes me think of, like... Wait, so... That, like, that, the moon is, like, the one thing that we always see the front of. Yeah. Um, and never the backside of, except like with telescopes and stuff, but like from our perspective. Well, satellites, right? Oh yeah. 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 Only, yeah. Right. Yeah. I've, yeah, I don't, I don't even. satellites around the moon, right? Uh, I would think so. I have no idea. Yeah. I would think there are, but I don't know. It just makes me realize that like, that's, that's very, like if, if he's like trying to make a reference to, um, Maybe not naturalism. Maybe that's not the right word, but like things in nature that um, are easy to point to and think about. Like, if only it was like this. Like, the moon seems like an obvious reference to me of something that we only see a single perspective of ever. But even that perspective changes over time and in itself is obscured. And we never have a full picture of, even though it's such a constant. Yeah. I don't know. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, I mean, would you see any value in like having a print of that in your life or some, you know, is this idea even, does it, of Abje Putia 
um, object cause of desire. Does it does it grab you in any way? I think a little bit. I think it's easy to think about. I don't know if it's particularly like evoking okay. to me yeah. yet. But also I think some ideas just like have to sit with us for a while yeah. and then all of a sudden it hits us. Like this painting is really easy to think about yeah. and pick apart. And like because the the pieces of it are pretty straightforward. Yeah. It seems to me that there's certain ideas that you know you can read about, learn about, and they they really don't hold any significance in your life mm -hmm. until they do. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know. Um, mm. That's a good point. I'm I'm just I'm I'm curious though if uh, if there's any other any other I know you got to go here in a sec but do you got any any other uh, mm. in that sense is there anything that that grips your life like that is let's set all of this aside well I think the one thing it does make me think about too that I wonder if anyone who talks about the object cause of desire talks about this but what happens when uh, we do finally grasp the thing we thought we wanted yeah and we realize that it like wasn't what we wanted the whole time yeah because I think that that's a really easy formula to find ourselves in yep like living our whole life striving for a single thing or multiple things and then but then when we finally get the thing that we desire uh, that it's not as you like kind of like you were talking about earlier with the opening present mm -hmm. and it not being the like the the object getting the object is not as rewarding somehow as desiring the object yeah and I think that's really interesting do you have any examples of that in your life where you got the thing that you thought you wanted mm, I then... think in like small little ways like graduating or getting a degree or I think getting into relationships on on some level but I wouldn't say that there's like one big thing yeah. that I've like really really strived and worked hard for just to get it like because that was the most important thing yeah and then got it and then been super bummed out I don't know I don't think I've experienced that yeah quite. I think it probably hits me hard because like I experienced that pretty acutely mm. uh, when I was up in Red Lodge and mm. I had my gallery I had like all the things that I thought that I wanted yeah and then profound melancholy sure <laughs> yeah oh no I guess I I guess I would say I kind of have experienced it with a past relationship when it fell apart feeling like like so dramatically feeling like my life had fallen apart and everything I ever wanted was all of a sudden gone okay um but also I think that that's in some way part of growing up and developing mm -hmm. as an individual like I think that we're going to experience desire and I think we're going to experience that uh that lack differently the more we grow and mature and yeah. experience life and like should that ever happen again like that similar situation happen again I don't think I would experience that the same way yeah. right because it'd be the second time around mm -hmm. and even though it would be a different person in different circumstances, it, I would experience it differently because mm -hmm. I'm a different person now. Yeah. yeah, That's interesting. Hey, thanks for uh, having me on. This is fun. Yeah. Yeah. I like being a part of the podcast. It forces me to actually talk to you. 
<laughs> All right, man. Um, well, I better get to work. I uh, it is real cold here in Billings. It's like what is it? I think it's like negative eight or something. Negative five right now. But um, points in there. Hope uh, hope some of that can. Hope there's some uh, maybe useful insights in there, and uh, I will probably try to make clear some of this uh, stuff about the object cause of desire and, and specifically how it relates to this painting by Rene Magritte as the opening of uh, Portal comes closer. I plan on kind of writing out uh, my talk. I think I want to record the talk somehow, maybe just, maybe just using this microphone and uh, That'll maybe be one of the episodes in the coming weeks. We'll see. We'll see as it comes closer. And then my friend Parker is going to play some music. I'm going to give a little talk, maybe a slideshow presentation. And then uh, my friend Parker is going to play some music. And we'll be, and I'll uh, sit down and uh, ask him questions about his songs and kind of open up, hopefully open up the night to just Q&A uh, with the people that show up. So uh, if you're around Billings, you should come to the portal opening on February 21st. I'll be posting the paintings on the on montanagallery.net here pretty soon. And um, of course, you know, if, uh, if any of those paintings strike you and you're, you're listening to this, that's a great way to support uh, the gallery and the podcast. And everything that I'm trying to do is to uh, pick up a painting from us at some point. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Be good to yourselves, and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>